Yeah, yeah. All right, let's open our Bibles. Oh, boy, there was a, almost a delay there. I was worried about it. Thank you, Michael James, for leading the way with a hearty yay. <laughs> open our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 14. This series that we are in is called the... Oh. Oh. You said... You might sound like you said it was the, the title was Limburger Cheese. Okay, I don't want to coach you too much, but let's give you one more time. This series that we're in is called The Spirit Filter. Oh, there it is. Very good. And we want to learn what that meant so that we can. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 14 today, verses 21 through 28. They, this is Paul and Barnabas, preached the gospel to that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came through Pamphylia. And when they came and preached the word to Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sent back to Antioch. From Antioch, uh, they, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Two, I have two, an original message or original sentence that I, I thought I would summarize uh, this weekend's message with, and I, I'm going to use it, but I want to abbreviate it further and simply say this. The Spirit-filled church doesn't quit. What we do is make disciples, and we strengthen disciples, and we empower leaders. Let's look at the first part in verse 21. We make disciples. Somebody say disciples. disciples. Luke tells us that in that city in Derb, they, they preached the gospel and won a large number of disciples. That means they persuaded many people to follow Jesus and taught them what it means to follow Jesus. To be a disciple begins with a decision, and it continues with devotion. Would you say those two words out loud with me? Decision and devotion. But as soon as they dropped their nets, that's when they became a disciple. As soon as he left that tax collector's booth, he became a disciple. You don't gradually become one. You don't, they're not stages of disciple. There's not blue belt disciple, green belt disciple, seventh degree black belt disciple. I'm not sure if the camera saw how strategic and aerobic I just was. <laughs> Thank you. There's not mini bosses. You don't get to trade in. I don't know how video games work. There's not levels of disciple. The minute you begin to follow Jesus, you are a disciple. It begins with a decision, and it continues with a life of devotion to Jesus. Being a disciple is not just fire insurance. Being a disciple of Jesus does not mean that you have taken out an eternal life insurance policy. 
I mean, I'm glad that I'm not going to hell, but here's the deal. Being a disciple doesn't just mean that I'm not going to hell. It means that I don't live like I belong there. It also means that I am going to heaven and that I live like I do belong there. This is a disciple. And the Spirit-filled church has an urgency to make disciples. C.S. Lewis said, every saved person on this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person on this side of hell. We must not allow heaven and hell to get too far away from our minds. When we allow eternity to slip out of our minds, the urgency to make disciples slips out of our hearts. We must make disciples. And we must strengthen disciples. Somebody say strengthen. Look at verse 22. They strengthened them. They went back through these cities. By the way, all of those cities out of which they had been chased or attempted to be killed in, they went back and strengthened the disciples in those cities by encouraging them to remain true to the faith. They encouraged them to remain faithful. Somebody say remain faithful. The majority of Paul's journey involves this, strengthening and encouraging believers. In fact, the the reason for his next trip, which we'll get to after Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, that'll be a whole lot of fun. But in Acts 16, Paul says to Barney, hey, Barney, yeah, Paul, let's go back and encourage all those people that that we encouraged last time. And he said, that sounds like a great idea. Then they have a little bit of a disagreement. We'll get to that later. As a matter of fact, the need for disciples to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to remain true to the faith, it is an urgent need. It was important to Paul, and it remains important today. Friends, we could fill Every church, two and three and more times a weekend in the Portland, Vancouver area, just with people who have quit. A great deal of the New Testament is devoted to urging us not to quit, but to remain faithful, diligent, even enthusiastic. Did you know that there's no Bible for calm down? There's no Bible for calm down. There's no Bible for, hey, take it easy. Oh, that'll wear off after a little while. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul says, Therefore, my friends, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully. Do you hear Paul's language here? It was, it's, it's unfortunate that I suppose we read this like, you know, mostly give yourself some. No, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Paul says, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking. Let, let your zeal, O meter, should never fall below 100. 
Your zeal, well, no. no, that's the problem. We begin to get, we, when we begin to excuse and accommodate our zeal-o-meter going down, and we wonder why people are discouraged and unstrengthened and disinterested and bored. You steward your own zeal. That's why I came in here during that song, Tossy playing honky-tonk on here, and I look, half of the people aren't even standing up, clapping their hands, looking around like you're waiting for the next song to come on. Thought, absolutely not, we're going to sing that again. Right. Where is your zeal-o-meter? It's on you. Well, it's not up to somebody else to make you excited or enthusiastic. Not up to somebody else. Paul says, Paul says this, never be lacking in zeal, but you, you keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You keep it. You steward it. You take good care of your fervor. What's my fervor? Your fever. Your spiritual fever. The word is fever, though one, one translation could word it this way. I, word, I translated this in my, one, of my, one of my dissertation papers that it means to stay aglow, be aglow. Yeah. I know some of you know aglow. Or you might, some of you think aglow and you think Chernobyl. <laughs> That's fine. Go ahead. You are literally to be radiant with your, your fervor and zeal for following Jesus. Basically this, being a disciple it means is a decision and it continues with devotion, and we never let off the gas. Right. Right. Paul says, now listen, you're going to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, meaning there is pressure to quit. Come on. There's pressure to quit. There's pressure to be quit because we, disciples of Jesus, are those who swim against the current. Right. There is a current against you. There are things that are against you as a follower of Jesus. The devil is against you. I don't imagine any of you need to write that part down. You don't say. Devil? Who, that, who is Diablo? Who is this Diablo you mean? Okay. The devil is against you, and he seeks to devour you. He seeks to discourage you. He seeks to distract you. He seeks to do all kinds of things. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't play right. He's an outlaw. He's a, he's a dirty rascal, and he's against you. And not only is the devil against you, the world is against you. Now, by the world, I don't mean the whole world. I don't want you to go, well, the whole world is against me. I don't mean to turn you into Eeyore. What we mean by the world is, by the world, we mean the world system, that, which, that, that system in the world, Babylon, the, that system that organizes itself against the knowledge of God is against you. If, for, for you sci-fi people, they're still stuck in the matrix And your flesh can be against you, your own carnality, your own sense of temptation or distraction or desire to compromise. There's a whole lot against you, but what shall we say to these things? If God, then who can be against us? Listen, friends, the spirit-filled church does not quit because we cannot. We cannot quit for the sake of those who have gone before us. We cannot quit for the sake of those who are coming after us. We cannot, we cannot quit for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot quit for the sake of your own soul. Friends, the, the, the stark, honest truth is this. There are no crowns for quitters. No crowns for quitters, no promises, no rewards for quitters. You might be able to quit and justify it. You might be able to give all kinds of reason, talk people in around you to believe when it was a good idea. At the end of the day, all that anybody's going to remember is that we quit. 
all our kids are going to remember that we quit. The next generation is going to remember all they're going to know is, well, they used to, but then they quit. And here's the, here's the darker truth. Nobody quits alone. If you've been in church more than three minutes, you know this to be true. Nobody quits alone. If you quit, you will spread disillusion and disappointment and discouragement like a poison around you. You'll quit and take other people with you. Don't quit. You must not quit because your location, I don't care how great, how low, how high, how sideways, your location is not your destination. This is, why, this is why the writer of Hebrews writes to us in the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Listen to him. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. You never let go of that hope. Why? For he who promised is faithful. Amen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to good deeds. Spur one another. NIV says it so gently. Spur one another on. But what, is, what does that sound like? What's a spur? Anybody know what a spur is? Anybody want to get kicked by a spur? Well, that's what the word is. King Jimmy, old King Jimmy says provoke. Provoke one another. But don't stop there because Christians stop there too much. Well, we should, the Bible says we should provoke one another. We ought to just go around annoying and poking and frustrating one another. Glory. Just doing, being a doer of the word, Hallie. Hallelujah. Provoke one another to love and to good works. Every time you get around one another, it should be a poke and a prod and a provocation to love more deeply, to love more profoundly, and to, to love more thoroughly, and to, and to good works, to do good stuff. You all should have a really good influence on one another, which is why he says, not giving up meeting together. You know, you can't provoke each other if you're not around each other. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I know you're all here, so I don't need to preach that, but you're here. But listen, show up. Now, I know sometimes you got to rest in or take a break or, you know, you got one of them coughs. That's all fine. But that's different than, eh. I'm going to take three months off, six months off, take a year off. I'm going to just worship the Lord in my garage. Well, see how I, what are you, provoking your car? <laughs> you stirring up your lawnmower? What are you doing? Don't give up the habit of, show up! I know there are times you have to think, but otherwise, show up. Don't get into the habit of not showing up. It'll become a habit, and it'll become a generational pattern. Just show up. I don't care if you're youngest born, it's Sunday. You know they used to have church Sunday morning and Sunday night? They used to drag it. Wait. They used to have church on Sunday night. I don't care if you're youngest, it's a Sunday afternoon and the sun's shining and he's full of dirt and he's way down the hill trying to hide, hoping you don't call him for church and then your mom has a whistle. <laughs> she stands outside the front porch and blows a whistle. <laughs> church time. <laughs> I might have I not wanted to go. 
I might have not wanted to go, but I never regret that I went. Nobody ever regretted not quitting. Lots of folks regretted otherwise. And it says, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. When was this written? I don't know, 2,000 years ago, right? 2,000 years ago, he said, listen, the day, it's getting close. Encourage each other. If that was true 2,000 years ago, there's 2,000 more years reason. How many think we're probably closer to the day than they were? So we probably need more encouragement. Double down, triple down. Encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Never forget there's a day approaching. Then finally, we empower leaders. We empower leaders. They appointed elders in each church with prayer and fasting, committing them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Elders in each church. I know some of us read that in hindsight, we're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And you're thinking about, you know, Pastor Jim and Gloria, you know, elders and hallelujah. Did you, you remember, though, that a lot of these folks, I mean, I think elders, oh, we need to have Brother McKinney. Let's appoint Brother McKinney to have be elder over the church. And that makes perfect sense, does it not? We should do that. But Brother McKinney, some of these people, look, where's baby Addie? She in this church service? Some of these, baby Addie has been in church longer than some of these people were. Some of these people only been only been in like following Jesus for three months, four months. Time to be an elder. What? <laughs> A what now? You what? That can you imagine the risk? Can you imagine the risk of giving birth to a community, the expression of the body of Christ in Lystra, and then saying, well, we're out of here, and uh, you, and entrusting the body of Christ in a whole city to a person who's been only following Jesus for a few months. That's a risk. We're much more comfortable with control. Much more comfortable with control, but not all the time does control work out for us. Accountability does. Responsibility does. But control seems to keep things under control. That would have been quite a risk to empower people to do that. They would have had to literally commit these people and these churches to the Lord as if it were really his church. This church. Now they weren't sloppy, they weren't careless. They did this with prayer and fasting and leaning into the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And these elders would have been charged with serving and protecting the church. They would have been responsible for stewarding the message of the gospel. They would have been responsible for stewarding the promise and the presence of the Holy Spirit, keeping both of those central and focused in the church. You say, hey, Dad, why would you say that? Well, all of these churches that we just talked about are in an area called Southern Galatia. And I believe, and, I, and it's a pretty, pretty common knowledge now, that the, the book of Galatians is written to these churches in Southern Galatia. And the problems that Galatians address are both of those two things. They had lost sight of the sufficiency of the gospel and the thorough, complete sufficiency of the Holy Spirit. Now, when they say they appointed elders, we should not see that, that Paul went around dispensing titles or positions or placards. This was not about 
gaining a high profile, but about accepting a high responsibility. They would have been responsible to serve and to pray and lead by example, to lead by encouragement, to lead with patience, endurance, and maybe even say it this way, they were to lead most by not quitting. It remains important today for us to recognize and affirm those who the Holy Spirit is already using. Who's already an example? Who's already an encourager? Who's got an apron on? See, we really don't select elders as recognize and affirm what the Lord is, who the Lord is raising up. And then here's the risk. We must take the risk of giving people responsibility and committing them to the Lord. Ultimately, this is how the Spirit-filled church prospers and increases and multiplies. We make disciples. We strengthen disciples. We empower leaders. And we do not quit. This is the Spirit-filled church. We have an urgency to make disciples. Are you a disciple? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sin? Do you, have you been baptized in his name? First weekend in August, we will invite people to respond and make that public confession of faith with water baptism. If you have not, sign up today. There's a, you can go on our app. You can put a card in. You can see Pastor Young. We are ready for you. If you want someone to pray with you about a decision to follow Jesus today, we have prayer workers after this service that will meet you down here and pray with you. If you, need, if you need someone to strengthen your devotion to Jesus, we'll meet with you. We'll pray with you. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you today. If you're facing pressure to quit, don't. If you feel like things are against you, let remind you who is for you. And let me remind you once again that you are surrounded. If you see people around you that are struggling, surround them. Encourage them. Don't, don't let them quit. Not on your watch. And finally, friends, once again, if you feel that sense of responsibility, that sense where you feel like, I want to serve and make a difference, you feel like the Holy Spirit is calling you to a, another level of responsibility in His house, don't worry about looking around. Don't worry about looking for a, a position or a placard or a profile. I remember when I was a kid, we had some traveling ministers come and somebody, one of them gave me a very significant prophetic word. And I was in uh, early high school, I think, and I thought, well, this is it. You know, I probably should go on TBN. I probably need to start a nonprofit or something. So I came up to him, to another guy, and I said, well, this is what the Lord said through somebody. This is the word that I got tonight. What should I do? And he, and I'm, never, I'm so glad for the way the Lord has put people in my life to speak. And he looked at me as if he were going to make a big speech, and he said, go home, go to bed, get up tomorrow, take a shower, and go to school. Oh, so just so just keep doing things then. So just just keep showing up and serving then. Yeah, just do that. Just whatever your hand finds to do, do that with all your mind. If you feel like the call of God is on you to serve this house or in any way, listen, find an apron, find a need and fill it. 
start serving. Let the Holy Spirit affirm and confirm his call. And the rest of us, we won't be afraid to empower, to encourage, to release. We'll take the risk, won't we? It's his church, isn't it? He'll do a much better job with his hands than with mine. I can't even change the oil in my car. I know, I just forfeited my man card to all of you. <laughs> but I trust his hands to do a lot more than mine. Amen. Can we stand together? Spirit-filled church, be strengthened, be encouraged. Can I have some prayer workers come and join me at the front? Somebody, listen, friends, if you need help following Jesus, if you need the assurance of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, he has a gift for you. He wants to give you a prayer language to give you hope and help and the assurance of his presence in your life. If you need help, if you feel like things are against you and you need someone to strengthen and pray with you, we want to pray with you this morning. So if you'd like to pray, I'll have, these, these folks will wait here, but we're going to just sing a chorus and praise. Then my sweet wife's going to come close us in prayer in just a moment. Aaron, lead us, will you? Let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations. Let your fragrance rest in this place as we gather. Father, that you have called us to make disciples, to strengthen disciples, Lord, and to empower leaders. Father, I pray that we would leave here not only encouraged to not quit, but to be encouragers of others. May we encourage other disciples. Lord, may we strengthen them. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this calling upon every one of our lives. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Listen, we love you. We're thankful for you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Go encourage someone. If you would like to come for prayer, these folks are going to wait here. God bless you.